The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Well, I'm so excited today. I have Priscilla McKinney, who is the CEO and Mama Bird of Little Bird Marketing Agency. Welcome, Priscilla. Hi. I love talking with you, Simo. This is going to be so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome. And, and uh, you know, you and I have gotten to know each other a lot over the last couple of years, and you're just a bundle of energy and optimism and excitement. <laughs> so I'm so happy to have you today on the it podcast. Thanks for know one, Seema. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, t- tell, tell us, what do you, what's your company do for a little bit of background? Well, we are a marketing agency, and although we're in MR world, it's because we serve the MR world all the time. Um, Probably about half of our business right now is uh, somehow related to market research. And so it's an interesting blend, but what's interesting is that we provide market market marketing. Um, gosh, I, I get a, a little tongue-tied in there. But we are specifically amazing at content marketing strategies that bring you lead generation. So we serve busy leaders who need confidence that their content marketing is actually a plan that is growing both their short-term goals and their long-term goals for their company growth. Got it. Got it. And how did you pick marketing research as a vertical to focus on? That's funny. I didn't pick it. It picked me. That's always a nice way to go. Yeah, I love it. But you know, it is it is very uh, uh, an easy fit for me because my background is in cultural anthropology. And so when I got asked to speak at an event, a market research event, it was really natural fit because I get you guys. Right, exactly. (laughs) You know, I came from social science and I understand what it is you're doing and I certainly have done ethnographies and and while I, you know, didn't do a lot of, uh, you know, online surveys, actually one of my jobs in college was a a one-to-one. I I did a survey in Spanish with uh, women in the Latin uh, community in the LA uh, basin area and so these were things that I was familiar with, methodologies, statistics, data, um, and how really you can take data and misconstrue it and, you know, I, I, I loved, uh, I loved my courses in cultural anthropology about how people did use data, um, you know, to, to, you know, make the changes that were not good for people and how, you know, we do need to interpret data. The data itself is not just completely agnostic. So there are a lot of great conversations around it that I automatically really understood once I started talking with people in market research. And that's a big deal in market research, because if you don't understand the fundamentals, then you kind of lose credibility quickly. Well, not only that, but they're in pain. I mean, they have even some of the most successful MR companies, whether they're providing sample or translation or transcription or, you know, field field workers, you know, going out or, you know, operation staff or or a a focus group facility, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. They are all under this pain that they have tried to hire an agency to become more and more successful, but they've spent a year trying to explain to the agency what they do. 
Right. So, so what advice would you give someone who handles marketing in the MR industry? Because you see it a little differently, right? When you're, you're coming in as kind of, um, you know, understanding market research, but really focused on that marketing function. Well, the first thing I'll say is, you know, and I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but market researchers, they're really bad at marketing themselves. Right. I know. Wait, why, you know, why is it? Why is that? I don't, I don't know. But here's the irony. Not only are they not good at marketing themselves, like understanding really, you know, you know, who they serve and, and what they offer, how they solve the problem uniquely, but they also don't do research on themselves. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> and it just it's, it's like I would think that they, they, you know, they just have, you know, so many questions to ask about how, you know, here they're trying to help brands, you know, understand deeply how the consumer is seeing them, but it's almost like they have no care for understanding how their consumer sees them. Yeah, I know. And, and are you seeing a change though? Are you seeing people warming up to the concept of marketing and saying, you know, this needs to be um, a topic at the, at the, at the C-suite, at this, at the, at the table, basically? Well, absolutely. But of course, just like with anything, there's some resistance and there's some people are like, we've been waiting for you all along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, there's just, it's across the, the you know, the, the, the yeah. Um, But I do find that more than anything, there is kind of some pockets of people who are up for it. Okay. And I do find a lot more resistance in people who are involved in data. And I think this is why it's so interesting that you and I got to know each other several years ago, but we have a personality and a a mindset about Mm -hmm. life, I think, that bring us together. But I think our methodologies or maybe our specialties are not in alignment in, you know, how much you understand data, how much you're driven by that. And I do Mm -hmm. find a little bit more resistance, actually, from people who were like, well, I love the numbers. I want to do what the numbers tell me. Right, right. So but the irony is they shouldn't because we always create a system that to try and measure something as well. So once I can really talk with that person, if we do have a good mindset blend, right. then we can talk about how we incorporate data. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mindset, it's cultural fit, it's uh, relationship driven. There's so much, I mean, I'm always surprised, and I think I've said this before to others, is that in this world of technology automation, the 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 soft stuff counts so much more um, in terms of building those relationships. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's my outside perspective is that they're shockingly bad at marketing. Okay. They're surprisingly not doing any research on themselves. Yeah. So and then and they kind of have a little bit sometimes a little bit of a disdain for marketing, kind of like self-promotion or mm-hmm. brand promotion. Mm-hmm. And I find that interesting, you know, like yeah. why, yeah, I, you know, you bring up a good point. So I actually um, uh, have do, I'm doing some webinars with really senior level women. And some of the things that we talk about is personal branding and promotion. And, you know, a lot of our industry is driven by women at senior levels, uh, you know, continuing to grow. And I, and I wonder if that's a function because self-promotion um, is, is kind of a dirty word in, for some people. It's like, it feels icky. Like, I don't yeah. want to be that person who talks about all the great things that I'm doing. Well, I, it's funny because next month I'm, I'm been asked to speak specifically on personal branding. Okay, <laughs> and so I've been, I've been really <laughs> gathering more thoughts. I've spoken on it before and I joke about it. I kind of come at it from the sense of, you know, people who know me or who are kind of in an inner circle know that I love my auto harp, which is so uncool. <laughs> and it's never going to be cool. And, and that's a piece of authenticity. And so it's one of those hooks that you can show, you know, there's a lot of interesting hooks for personal branding. Right. But, you know, 
general idea um, about personal branding, I'll give you kind of my my worldview about sure. it. Um, and hopefully it'll give some people a little bit of a mindset shift so they will stop like fearing yes. that self-promotion and especially women, women yes. in the C-suite, please stop fearing that self-promotion. You and I have talked about this a lot, even with Chris and Luck, about yeah. how hard it is sometimes to get more women up on the stage with us at these market research events. And it's not always the the fault of the people who are putting it in, not asking the women. Sometimes sure. the women are saying no. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know. Yeah. So personal branding, I'll just give you a short view of it that we could maybe discuss a little bit. You know, people talk a lot about it, about look, you know, I'm I'm a person who always wears a scarf or I always wear big sunglasses or, you know, you know, think about look is really easy. And for brands, that's really easy. Is it clean? Is it flat design? We could go on and on. Sure. So there certainly is a look that needs to be consistent. And that's usually very easy piece of personal branding, you know, and it's a top-down approach. You can just put it on top. Um, Then there's a little deeper of a personal branding, and that's the feel. And in brands, you know, like how do you feel with customer service? How do you feel about the brand? How do you feel maybe about their, you know, stance on ecology? Or, you know, it could be a lot of different things in there. And I don't know who said it, but that famous, you know, quote about, you know, people forget what you do, but they'll never forget the way you made them feel. Yes. (laughs) And I think think there's, yeah, there's that, that, there's that feeling also in a brand. When you walk into a room, what kind of energy do you bring? You know, you, you started at the beginning by saying, Priscilla, you're always a ball of energy. Well, on the ball of energy scale, there's Gary Vee up at the top. Yes, he practically that's true. makes me nervous. I know. <laughs> Very true. So, you know, it's kind of like teaching people what they should expect when yeah. they see you. Now, if you're all over the board, people, there's no personal branding sure. in there. You know, can you show up consistently, you know, in a certain feel? Um, and that could be a feel, um, you know, a feeling that you have. It also could be a feeling that you give others. But the bigger piece for me about personal branding and why I think people shy away from self-promotion and why this becomes such a big issue is because look and feel, we can't always be consistent. And so this there's this fear of being maybe fake or inauthentic. And, oh, heaven forbid, in this day and age, someone say somebody's inauthentic. Right. <laughs> it's just such Authenticity a... Authenticity you know, is key, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's such a buzzword too, but you know, some days I wake up and authentically, I'm just a jerk, you know? (laughs) So if I go out and be my authentic self, I don't think people are going to appreciate it. Um, But I think what's more powerful is to change your, your view of personal brand and really hone in on what your intentions are. Yeah. This is my intention. I I also think, you know, personal branding has so much to do with knowing yourself and trying to get that alignment with who you are and, and not a, not trying to mimic somebody, but rather kind of celebrate the intentions or your, your value system that you hold true to yourself. Do you agree with For that? For sure. I totally agree with that. And that's why I say, you know, if you know yourself, if you really are in uh, awake and alive to that, you know, you are sometimes also inconsistent. That's you right. don't look always the way you want to look. You don't always feel, you don't show up the way you always want to show up. And so because of that, it's important to talk about your intentions and say, even we were starting a, a, um, uh, team meeting the other day. And we have a little thing that we do that's um, the head, heart, hand. So this is what's going on in my head. This is what's going on in my heart right now. This is what I've got in my hands. Like, what is what I got to do right now? And at the end of that, we, you know, we just give one or two sentences to let people know where we're at and what we're bringing into the room. And then we say at the end, and with that, I'm in. 
Got it. And so it's seeing an intention. It's like, look, I've got all this stuff going on. It may not be perfect. It may, you know, and one of the things I shared at the very end of mine was, you know, guys, I, you know, you or me, I'm usually like a ball of energy right. and I don't have it today. Yeah. And I just said, I, I just don't have it. And I go, but with that, I'm in. And everybody knew where I was at. And it was about my intention. Of course, they know I want to show up with the energy. They, they know that I want to listen to what they have to say. I know, you know, all these things that I want to do, please give me the buy, you know, that I want to do those things. You know my intentions, but I probably can't deliver today. Today, right. I completely agree. And, and, and that's great that you have that honesty with your team. Yeah. That's yeah, really it's great. A hard, hard one lesson. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, but it does get easier over time. I think it does, and I think what people don't understand is is that when you when you really are in alignment with those things, it's more congruent, and yes. more congruency equals less stress. So it's not as hard to upkeep. Totally agree. <laughs> so, so speaking of you know intentions and what, where you're at with your business. Um, you're, you're in the middle of scaling your business. What, what's, what's been painful about this transition? Like what, what have you kind of identified as areas of success and then areas of pain for people who might be considering doing the same? Okay. Well, it's funny that we're talking today because we've been chatting a little bit about what the, the process I've been going through. But today I go and actually sign to purchase another agency. And so, uh, you know, over this weekend, Woo-hoo. we will one size. That's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, we'll go from 10 to 20 overnight, yeah. um, 10 to 20 people. And uh, yeah, so uh, what, what, what's been painful for me? Well, I think a little bit about what we just talked about is me really realizing personally that I can't always show up the way I want to. And I'm really been focused on, you know, practice okay. as a leader and not perfection. Yep. And so that's been really key. But with my, with my clients, um, a really big lesson I learned, ironically, is how important persona work is. And you know me enough to know I beat the persona drum like, it, yes. like it's a show. Yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's so true. But about 18 months ago, we were feeling some pains in, in our business. And we were trying to figure out why, why we had some clients on that were just quite, we weren't, they weren't quite as ideal. They weren't totally appreciating what we thought was really great work. We just kind of hit a couple of snags. And I said, I just was like, stop the presses, guys. What is going on here? Mm-hmm. And we, it was hard to figure it out. But when we dialed it all back, we realized we were um, selling to the wrong persona. Interesting. And we, of all people, had to go back and actually add a persona. And we had a persona that was basically a CEO. Okay. And I think it's because our business, well, I know this is true. Our business grew. Yeah. It grew in stature, it grew in capacity. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to take on larger and larger clients. Well, at these larger clients, you know, where they're doing 20 to, you know, 20 million and over, mm-hmm. it's not in our best interest to be talking to the CEO. Right. We should not be talking to them all. That actually thwarts our progress. And even the ones where we get a lot of them that they're about the 6 million level and they're just stuck. They can't. Mm-hmm. You know, they just can't figure out, you know, the things that brought them to 6 million or 10 million, that's a real sweet spot of where people get really stuck. Right. Um, And they're at that 6 million and they're like, man, the things that brought us to 6 million are none of the things that will take us to 12. Right. And so, you know, what's in... It is a hard shift, but we realize that in that also, which is really our sweet spot, um, we also do not want to be 
talking on a regular basis with the CEO. We need a liaison who's in marketing and we identified them as we call our persona C-suite Stacy. Yeah. And she is in this, she has a table. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, she has a, a seat at the seat table. At the table. Yeah. But, and she is just devoted. The way she acts and talks about the business, it's like it's her money. Okay. She's in. She's, so she's in it to win it, wants to figure out any way that we can dynamically work to achieve her goals. Um, very, you know, um, very collaborative, uh, but she has, is not the owner. And so she has that one step away from the emotional barriers that ownership causes. Mm-hmm. You know, owners don't like you to rip their babies out of their arms. Right. Or even <laughs> tell, you, tell, tell them that it's ugly. Right. right? <laughs> Excuse me, that baby's very ugly. <laughs> okay, next person in the yeah. seat, please. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But Stacy, she can take it. And, yeah. and Stacy actually loves it. She's like, oh, tell me more. Mm-hmm. You know, what should this look like? So that was a big lesson for us. And we learned that a couple of years ago, how to really regroup. And some of that is just a pain of scaling, sure. right? Yep. Because, you know, you, you, you're just dealing with, um, you know, with different uh, companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're constantly refining our own process. And we have IP that's called SOAR and we, we go back and refine it all the time. And I think the last thing I'll say about that, about what's been painful and what kind of lessons I've learned in scaling. Uh, so we can just really put all my failures out there and <laughs> let someone learn from them. <laughs> but I've really gotten much, much better about um, talking about expectations with clients, okay. specifically because we're a, a slow burn. We're a long term view, you know, yep. on marketing you play, strategy. You play the long game. We do. And yep. inbound marketing, content marketing, if you want to win online with Google and um, search and, you know, uh, ranking, and if you want to win with quality content and you want to be a, a thought leader in your industry, that just doesn't happen overnight. Yep. And everybody wants it. But I've gotten better about saying maybe fun and funny little ways of reminding people that they need to have the patience. Like, for example, in a meeting, I might say, okay, now we've done a lot over these first three weeks. And you know what's going to be weird is the next three weeks, you're not going to hear from me. And I know, I know you're going to start thinking, where is this Priscilla? That's right. What is this team doing? You know, and I kind of, I kind of make them feel like yes. the way they're gonna, about to feel and set right. the expectation. I said, and when you feel that, if you need to, you're going to pick up the phone and call me, or you're just going to realize, oh my goodness, they are so busy getting everything we told them over the last three weeks done. I love that. I love that. I think that's so important because it's, it's kind of a little bit of a, I don't want to say Jekyll and Hyde, but like you get bought in, you're like excited and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I haven't heard from that person for three weeks. Right. Are they working on my project or are they not working on my project? Right. Um, and now with us, we have Trello, which is transparent, but honestly, yeah. even in Trello, you know, if they're not really well versed in Trello and already been on it before, right. they may not really understand the nuances of the, the crazy things we're doing because we'll have a list of, say, we're onboarding someone you know, matching their website over onto HubSpot and mm-hmm. uploading all of their, you know, dashboards, say they're migrating from a different, you know, marketing automation dashboard. Well, we'll have like, I don't know, 72 items on a micro checklist. Yeah. Is the time set correctly? Is the this, is the, the, you know, and you know, it just looks like one card. Well, they're still working on that one card. Yeah. But there's 72 items on it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it takes time to be active and going and looking and understanding too. So exactly. uh, not, every, not everybody else, not everybody's going to log in and check. Um, 
Okay, t tell me tell me a little bit about um, Insights Day. I, I learned about this. Uh, it's Insights Marketing Day that's upcoming in October, Priscilla? Yeah, it's going to be in Denver on okay. October 10th. Okay. What, what is it? Tell us about it. Well, Green Book has always had Insights Marketing Day, and that's actually where I got my start talking and, you know, speaking to market research. That's where, that's that's the company that called me and said, hey, you know, we see you're an expert in, in marketing, and our market research people really need that speech. Can you please come bring us some tactical tips? So I started speaking at Insights Marketing Day originally, and so okay. we've morphed it a little bit, and now we're partnering with uh, Keena's Mustard and then Little Bird, and we're working with Green Book so they can continue to present their Insights Marketing Day, and we're just making it super fresh, giving it a great facelift. I'm going to be handling with my team all of the Insights Marketing Day events that happen on the U.S. side, and that will always be in October. We will move cities if we need to, or if we have, you know, suggestions to do so. Okay. Um, and then in March, Keena's Mustard team will always host it somewhere in Europe. That's fantastic. That's exciting. Yeah, and so it is one day. It's yeah. not expensive. It's like $297 per the day. It's one day and it is power packed. We have eight speakers speaking for, and, and we may even have nine this year, but um, 30 minutes that is just a powerful, you know, um, powerful speech on what is the next step in your marketing. And we're going to have somebody from everywhere from which you and I love the pod, anything from podcasting, yes. scale business, um, account-based marketing. We have a guy from 3M coming and talking about trade show. He activates over 300 trade shows a year. So I think he knows what he's talking about. Absolutely. Um, we have someone talking about social selling, how you can ignite your team to actually use the social platforms to, you know, to sell. Uh, oh, and on and on. I mean, it's just really powerful speaking and it's just going to be set your phone down, pay attention. And this absorb. is what's going on. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, how did you get your name, by the way, Priscilla, for your business, Little Bird Marketing? Oh, that's it. Okay. Well, uh, try to make this <laughs> short story, but you, I think you remember like three, three weeks after our tornado in 2011 here in Joplin that took out about 35% of our town in about 20 minutes. Yes. And after that, three weeks after, I stood on the sidewalk watching my entire studio burn to the ground. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. Awful. So it was quite, quite a three weeks. Quite a year. <laughs> Let me yeah. tell you. Right. Um, so I was standing there and I had actually bought the leasehold improvements from a gal who owned it and it was called Grow Marketing. And so it was an opportunity, that's how I chose to see it, an opportunity to rebrand and really make it my own thing. And what we specialize in is working with really top level brands. And what I mean by that is premier marketing and, and specifically that is I'm looking for companies who no matter what size or what market, they are performing at an eight, nine or 10 consistently. I don't want to come in and change their operations, their sales, their product, anything like that. But their marketing is at a two, three or four level. Got it. And to be very, you know, very transparent, mm -hmm. that is an easy win for me because what I need to do is understand the ethos, the value, the products and how they work that, that, that's at an eight, nine or 10 level. And I just need to bring that marketing message up and match it. Got it. Got it. And, and so th those premier businesses usually kind of work in some way around like um, some form of um, intimacy, I think is maybe the best word. Like if you, if you have really good news, you usually share it and say, oh, a little birdie told me. Nice. And then you 
spirit, right? Oh, that's and so, good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it connotes like really good news, number yes. one. It also, it, it, um, it, you know, tacitly says, oh, and I'm on the inner circle. I know. Right. Got it. And so we feel like we're on the inner circle. We have, we call, you know, our, our employees or peeps and we, we call the people who are our clients, part of the flock. We're all here in the nest. You know, we like to have this small little ecosystem that we're, we're, we're intimate with each other. We know each other. We're partners. And so that feeling of, hey, you're in the know. Um, and there's something special about that. And, um, it just has that up close and personal feel. That's fantastic. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot. Ready. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) <laughs> give give me the top three no-nos for marketing. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I hear all the time. Okay. It's, it is chaos. It's people winging it. And okay. winging it comes in a lot of forms. And one of the ones I hate the most is, is trend chasing. Okay. You know, it's just like, oh, somebody said, you know, somebody's doing a chatbot or somebody's doing, you know, is doing Facebook Live. And so we do it. But the problem about that is that when you chase a trend and kind of wing it, you don't, you, they weren't, that wasn't based on a piece of strategy from yours. Right. You don't know if they're doing that, that, that strategy and they're losing their shorts on it. Right. <laughs> so, That's so, true. so, you know, this kind of winging, like what vehicle we're going to pick based on just what you see other people doing drives me nuts. That's fair. That's a fair one. And, and, and also I think uh, people assume success to your point, right? Like they're, they're right. doing it and they're out there, but what's the return on investment? Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Well, for example, if someone goes out and does YouTube and becomes a total success, they go, oh, YouTube made them a success. No, I guarantee you that their strategy made them a success <laughs> and they used YouTube for it as the vehicle. Yes. That's a good example. Yeah. Um, you have a second one or is that your biggest sure. one? Sure. I, you know what? I think maybe equally with it is when people actually spend the time to write solid content, good, you know, content that they really put their heart and soul into and they never thought first about their buyer persona. Yeah. And, and, and it's as simple as saying, who's your audience? Mm-hmm. That's a you good know, too. Yeah. I, that, that drives me crazy. And it's really sad because a lot of times I'll go into companies and man, they're great thought leaders. They're there and, and I'll ask them about their blog and they're like, oh, I wrote this great piece about blah, blah, blah. Well, that's amazing. It's very well written. Sadly, the people who buy from you just don't, don't give a this. risk about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yes, you are smart. Mm-hmm. That's a good one but too. It, it, so there's a difference of, if you want to write that, then yeah. write it for pleasure and own it and say what it is. But don't act to me like that's a piece of your marketing strategy. Your content marketing. It's, it's not your content marketing strategy when you just write content for you know, of what you think you should write today just because this came out of your brain. Right. So that drives me crazy. That's another good one. And you have one more or that's it? Sure, sure. Okay. (laughs) Um, I kind of, I kind of hate that people think about content a lot of times and make it synonymous with blogging. Okay. And I think that really traps people because blogging is not for everybody and it's not a part of every strategy that's out there. Mm-hmm. But I think what people fail to understand, and I'll, I'll, this is a big shout out for data gurus and, and what you do, Seema, but they forget about audio. Yes. You know, and, they and forget also, about Priscilla, your, your podcast, it's a shout out for your podcast too. It's fantastic. Yeah. 
you know, they, you know, they don't realize that there's so many ways that you can put content out there um, and even like reusing the content. So for example, you know, so for example, when I had you on my podcast, um, you know, yeah, we, that was a great piece of content, but then I took that content and we put it out on the podcast and then I transcribed it and I right. wrote a short little blog about it and I included in that. And then I took the, those, that transcript and I made like 12 different social media posts out of it with little pulled quotes and something that was interesting. And so all of that was content, not just the one blog, you know, thing that was out there. So I think people get, they just get stuck in the way that they perceive content, but content is everywhere. It's so true. Priscilla, thank you so much for joining me today. I really, oh my gosh, I always love chatting with you. <laughs> You're the best. And I'm telling you, Data Gurus, it's that having people on there that are really fantastic, fantastic thought leaders actually have something to say. That's another great thing about content. Don't just come on and chitty chat, you know, but there it's always so purposeful. I learn something and I just love the, love the, the amazing guests that you get on. Well, thank you. And I thank, thank you for being a fellow podcaster because uh, we are in the minority right now, although it's growing, <laughs> right? It is growing, it's growing. Yeah. But I uh, yeah, appreciate the sure. support. And, and uh, you also have great tips on your podcast. And um, where can people find your podcast, Priscilla? Well, you can get it anywhere you download a, uh, your podcast, you can get it. I'd love to have a ratings on iTunes. And while you're there, I want you to go make one for, uh, for data gurus <laughs> too on iTunes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so iTunes is easy, but it's ponderings from the perch. But the easiest way probably to get it is just going to littlebirdmarketing.com forward slash podcast. And, um, you know, you, you, can, you can download any episode there or listen to it right, right without having to download anything to your phone. Awesome. Thanks, Priscilla, and I look forward to talking soon. Absolutely. Talk to you later, Seema. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.